following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning is a continuation of a sermon series entitled Living in the Vine, based upon Jesus' teaching, I am the vine, you are the branches. In a vineyard, a vine grows and bears fruit, and the vineyard owner continually tends to the vines and brings in the harvest from one season to the next. Today, we will be applying that image to what it means to live in faith. Let's be for a moment in the spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I have recently become keenly aware of how few Sundays I have left in this pulpit, three after this one. As you know, I will be the senior pastor through the end of June, but I'll be spending the latter half of that month leading our tour group in the Holy Land. When I first came to Kent in the summer of 1995, I had served three years as the associate pastor at the church in Brunswick, and then six years as the sole pastor of the church in Vermilion, and then seven years as the pastor of the church in Howland. I told Mavis that I expected we would be here in Kent for probably eight to 10 years. Never did I expect that I would uh, begin to approach the amazing 25-year tenure of Carl Pearson, let alone that I would continue on for a total of 28 years. But one calling led to another in Kent. At first, the major challenge was to bring new young families into what was an aging congregation. In 1995, it was mostly gray hair in the Kent Church with a number of young families that had children or teenagers. I put a lot of energy into reaching young people and across the late 90s and through the next decade and beyond, we had a tremendous response of many new young families coming into the congregation. That led to some major building projects. We significantly expanded the parking lot in the late 90s and we renovated Sunday school classrooms and the pit, our youth room, and Pearson Hall. Seeking to communicate in relevant ways, especially to younger generations, we added the video screens to our sanctuary and chapel in the year 2000. Some of our older members were not too sure about the idea at first, but once they saw the screens in operation, they became big advocates, encouraging other congregations to likewise incorporate video imagery into worship. We expanded the building in 2006, making the whole facility handicapped accessible and adding the gymnasium. New goals kept emerging. Going into the next decade, we gradually developed our contemporary worship service. After we paid off the building expansion, we had an endless series of other capital campaigns. Some were for the building, replacing the boiler system, renovating the kitchen, repairing the sanctuary roof, rebuilding the organ, and most recently, repaving the parking lot and many of our sidewalks. Some campaigns were for missions, providing for pastors' pensions in overseas United Methodist churches, or building a new women's dormitory at Africa University. As the decade progressed, 
we finally came to a resolution of a decades-old tangle of property questions surrounding our hosting of the campus ministry. The resolution eliminated what had been a source of headaches for everyone and placed both the church and the campus ministry on a good and solid foundation. I never ran out of challenges or things to do. Several years ago, I felt a calling to respond to the biggest question facing our denomination right now, the question of how we should relate to LGBTQ persons. I sought to help our, our church understand what the Bible really says and to come to clarity about who we are as a church. Clarity caused some of our members to leave. Then the pandemic hit. In those years, the Kent Church benefited from the fact that the senior pastor had been around for years, which helped provide a measure of stability to the congregation through that time. We emerged in a strong fashion out of the pandemic and into a new church world, a world in which many people now attend worship digitally and a world in which the United Methodist Church has many congregations disaffiliating over our acceptance of LGBTQ persons. But the Kent Church, now one of the largest churches in the East Ohio Conference, has been designated a lighthouse, a solid church that can be a beacon for others. As the senior pastor who never leaves, I now finally have a sense that I have accomplished what God sent me here to do. And it is time for another pastor to pick up and lead the church in fresh ways. In a sense, the challenges for Dr. Howe will be similar to what they were for me in 1995. The congregation as a whole, again, has a lot of gray hair and there's a need for new forms of outreach to bring young families afresh into the church. In 1995, this church had about a thousand members. Today, we have about a thousand members. For a United Methodist Church in Ohio, that actually is considered quite good. Uh, most churches over the past quarter century have experienced severe membership declines. In worship attendance, in 1995, we averaged a little over 300 persons per Sunday at our two worship services. Today, when we measure worship attendance, we need to measure the online attendance in addition to the in-person attendance, and we have some sophisticated methods for doing that. Our total average attendance today across three in-person services and two live stream services is over 450 per Sunday. The challenge for the church is to continue to find ways of creating community and connection among all those folks as the congregation shares in faith and ministry together. The nature of church life is changing, which means it's a good time for new leadership. As I've journeyed through my final year in ministry here, preparing for transition, I've worked hard to finish projects that have been in process for some time. I was thrilled to see a completion of the chapel in the woods, for which I had a vision a quarter century ago, and which was brought into reality, especially through the enormous work over the years by our scouts. 
it was very satisfying to celebrate the Easter sunrise service there this spring. I've worked diligently to complete books I have felt called to write, to write, which is why we've had a flurry of titles coming out into publication in recent months. In the past year, we have published Rightly Reading the Good Book, Other Sheep Not of This Fold, and Stories That Change Life. And we expect in a couple of weeks to bring out the final title, a book on abortion called The Choice. I've also been working on multiple building projects, seeking to have the whole facility in excellent shape for the transition. You'll see the final uh, uh, major uh, building uh, effort shortly, the renovation of the exterior signage around the building, including a new message board by the road. I'm fulfilling a final pandemic-delayed dream, literally my last days here, leading the Bible Lands tour. And yet, when I step out of my church office for a final time, I expect to have a sense that the work is unfinished. It's been that way in every church I've served, that the work is always unfinished. There is always more for God's people to do. This, I believe, is characteristic of human life in general. Human life is always unfinished. It's like the work of a vineyard. You keep bringing in the harvest, and then there is the next year. In this regard, the story of Abraham is highly significant. In the scripture reading this morning from the book of Genesis, we heard how a man named Abram was called to leave his homeland and to set out for a new promised land. God gave Abram a set of promises that God would make of him a great nation, a man with many descendants, and that through his descendants, the whole world would be blessed. Abram and his wife Sarai set out for the land of Canaan. But in the course of their lives, they saw almost none of those promises fulfilled. Although Abraham was given a new name, or it was Abram, now he's given a new name, Abraham, meaning father of a multitude, he and Sarai, whose name became Sarah, had one son, Isaac. And they lived their whole lives in a remote land as wandering nomads, so much for becoming a great nation. Their lives had a distinctly unfinished quality. The New Testament letter to the Hebrews refers to this when it says that they died in faith without having received the promises. They never saw the promises even coming close to fruition, but they lived in faith. Living in faith meant that they trusted that they were part of a larger story, which extended well beyond their earthly lives. As Hebrew says, they saw and greeted the promises from afar. Indeed, all of God's promises to Abraham and Sarah would ultimately be fulfilled. In time, there would be many descendants. They would become a great nation at the center of God's plan of salvation. And out of those descendants would come Jesus, through whom the whole world would be blessed. Abraham and Sarah thus became part of an eternal story. They would never see the city of Jerusalem that would be celebrated by their descendants, 
But as Hebrew says, they look forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. When we live in faith today, we likewise become part of a story that is much larger than the limits of our own earthly lives. When I leave my office here in Kent, my work will necessarily have an unfinished quality, but the work will be picked up by Dr. Nathan Howe, along with the rest of the congregation. And under God's empowerment, it will all develop in new and marvelous ways. In this regard, I think back to when I first arrived here in Kent in 1995, and I looked out over the faces of all the people in the congregation. Fully one-third of those people are now deceased. Others have moved away, some have dropped out, some who were active then are now shut-ins. But the mission of this church, of which those people were a part, has powerfully continued on. I mentioned that our membership total today is almost exactly the same as what it was in 1995. The number is the same, but most of the people are different. Many hundreds of new people have come into the congregation over the years and are now carrying on God's work, just as successive generations after Abraham and Sarah continued to follow God's call. When we live in faith, we never need despair about the unfinished or untidy aspects of our lives. The journey of God's people continues on. And through the promise of Jesus Christ, our own journey will continue into God's eternal kingdom. This is the time of year when we celebrate graduations. We think of our high school graduates. Kent State celebrated commencement last weekend as did Mount Union where my son Joshua just graduated. These graduates have completed their journey in school, but they are not done. Cassidy and our other graduates are going on to college. And even then, who knows, our son Joshua just graduated, is going on to graduate school. Whenever we think that we have arrived someplace, there is always the next phase of the journey. Abraham and Sarah arrived in the land of Canaan, but that was just the beginning of a new and amazing journey. In the journey of faith, there are always new phases, and we never know exactly what lies ahead. Abraham and Sarah little knew what lay ahead of them when they first entered the Promised Land. Graduates heading into college, don't really know exactly how things will be like on campus. I do not really know what retirement will be like. This congregation does not know what all will transpire in the course of new pastoral leadership. None of us really knows what heaven will be like. The future is always shrouded in mystery. But one thing we know when we journey in faith, that God is with us. And because God is with us because we are journeying with God, the future will be full of promise. So we can join with Abraham today and greet the promises from afar. Whenever we enter a new phase in our journey,
we naturally celebrate and treasure what was behind. Now, this is a standard feature of commencement exercises. The graduates reflect about their years in school and remember many good things. As a church, we'll be doing some reflecting about the past in the retirement events that this church is planning for me and for Reverend Denton. But we do not grieve over positive experiences that we're leaving in the past. There's no indication in the scriptures that Abraham and Sarah grieved over leaving their past lives in the city of Haran. Instead, we rejoice in the good things we have known and we look forward to what lies ahead. We look forward to what God will yet do. As we live in faith, we can rejoice that we are a part of God's vineyard where we each continue to grow in faith where good fruit continues to come forth and where we share in God's blessing forever. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give thanks and praise for how your spirit has guided people through the ages, leading persons to be able to share in your wondrous promises. Inspire us this morning, O Lord, to respond in faith, to put our trust in you that we might journey with you today, letting your spirit guide us to grow, letting your spirit empower us to bear fruit, to make a positive difference in our world. Lead us, Lord, as we know ourselves, to be journeying toward that eternal city, sharing in your love forever. We thank you for how you draw us into the life of your church, where we can share with one another in faith and reach out in powerful ways to the world at large, we do pray for persons who are in times of particular challenge, and we remember those who are sick or dealing with surgeries, praying especially this morning for Kathy Smith, Carl Shearhorn, Pauline Yohi, and Carrie Shelley. We pray also for our broader United Methodist Church, lifting up our fellow United Methodists this morning at the Ravenna United Methodist Church. We pray for our graduates this morning. We ask your blessing upon Cassidy, upon all of our graduates, as they take this new step in their lives praying that your spirit would indeed guide them into the future. Inspire all of us, O Lord, as we enter into new steps in life, to look to you and recognize how you are with us always and how we can find in you our calling, our purpose, that we might share in the wondrous ways that your goodness can flow through us. We thank you, Lord, for the many ways we can reach out and the world at large inspire us as we today would look to you in faith as we journey together and lift to you the praise. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.